0: bonus episode of Access Division 33, the official podcast at Division 33 of the American Psychological Association. I'm Dr. Jason Baker. And I am Dr. Rachel Fenning. Today, we're breaking from our usual format in order to address what's on everyone's mind right now, the public health crisis from COVID-19. So for this episode, we reached out to 12 experts and service providers and asked them to give some advice on how to manage the public health crisis and related issues when sheltering at home. We decided to go ahead and read their contributions rather than interview each of them so that we could get this out a little bit quicker. Several of these contributors are current or past presidents of the division and I think we probably have more than a few future presidents as well. We asked each person to speak to their particular area of expertise so we'll be covering a variety of topics including general advice for parents, parent stress and well-being, managing the marital relationship issues related to homeschooling and early intensive behavioral interventions, tips for adolescents and young adults and their families, and ways to stay socially connected.
1: We want to note that many of the experts really wanted to help and ended up contributing a bit more than we could use here. So for some, only certain excerpts will be read. However, we'll make the full contributions available with a link in the show notes. And this also means that if we end up reading a bit of practical advice only from someone, that doesn't mean that the contributor didn't also include well wishes or words of compassion, which they all did.
0: So we're going to start with general parenting issues. So we asked for um, some advice for parents and families. And um, our first expert, Dr. Laura Lee McIntyre from University of Oregon, said this. Kids do best when they feel safe and secure. With a rapidly changing world, with many restrictions on daily life, this sense of safety and security can feel threatened. Parents can help their children cope by creating structure and routine at home, and by talking with them using plain language about the steps their family is taking to stay healthy and what kids can do to take care of themselves. Although this is a very stressful time for families, parents can show their kids how much they love and care for them by making time each day to connect through a preferred activity or through something more mundane, such as cooking or a bedtime routine. Parents who validate their children's feelings, rather than trying to change those feelings, create a sense of safety and security for their kids and open the door for meaningful conversation. For our kids who cannot verbalize how they feel, it's even more important to create opportunities for comfort, safety, and security through routines, play, and loving interactions.
1: Dr. Eric Booter from Nationwide Children's Hospital suggested structuring routines with a variety of activities on a frequently changing schedule and with visual supports. He noted that giving commands while being close to your child and helping the child to comply with your commands using gentle guidance. Ignoring the bad stuff as much as you can and paying attention and praising the good stuff will help. Spending special one-on-one time with your child where they lead and you cheer may also be a good strategy. He added that it's important to be sure you get a break. Teaching children something new, even small things, is important. Oh, and wash your hands and their hands often
0: so many of the parenting experts that we asked were really concerned with parenting stress and parenting well-being during this time dr v mark durand from the university of south florida st petersburg says that during these trying times being a parent can be overwhelming one strategy for dealing with difficulties during this unprecedented period is to give yourself permission not to be perfect letting things slide a little bit is okay and may help reduce stress also, each night, write down three good things that happened that day. They can be minor, like you had a good phone conversation with a friend, or major, like your child didn't tantrum at dinnertime. But it helps you focus on the good events during the day. Feeling grateful for the good things in life can also reduce depression. Stay as social and as fit as you can and focus some of your time on you.
1: Dr. Cameron Neese from Loma Linda University agrees that it makes complete sense to feel overwhelmed, anxious, and emotionally on edge. And at the same time, we as parents have to move forward and care for our children as best we can. Here are a few pieces of advice based on her work and others' work on mindfulness and mindful self-compassion. First, try as best as you can to think about this moment and not the next moment or many moments from now. Much of our mental energy is spent rehearsing the future or rehashing the past. And if we can stay focused on the present moment, it is usually much more tolerable than thinking about the future or the past. Second, try to extend loving kindness to others and to yourself. Loving kindness or metta is an inclusive love that has no conditions It does not depend on whether one deserves it or not, and it extends to include all living beings without expecting anything in return. Loving kindness can be built up in people through formal meditation practice and other self-compassion meditations. Research indicates that through practicing loving kindness and self-compassion, people experience more positive emotions and increased connectedness, as well as physical health benefits like decreased illness symptoms, all of which are probably helpful to everyone right now. Dr. Neese notes that she would also encourage parents to be compassionate with themselves and to try to extend loving kindness to their children, their partners, service providers, world leaders, and most importantly, themselves. Dr. Neese recommends an audio file of a formal loving kindness meditation that can be found at selfcompassion.org and we will post that link in the show notes.
0: Dr. McIntyre, who we heard from earlier, adds stress management strategies such as seeking social support, taking time to exercise, pray or meditate can go a long way in relieving some stress. As a parent myself, she says, I sometimes feel incredible guilt about what I quote unquote should be doing with my kids right now. My six and eight year old kids are now at home being quote unquote homeschooled and spending entirely too much time in front of the screen. Expectation management is a strategy I use frequently to keep things in perspective. My motto right now, she says, is quote unquote, good enough. We don't need to be perfect for our kids. We need to be good enough. Dr. Tracy Gayu of Katie and Behavioral Intervention Services also reminds us that parenting stress can be reduced by identifying and managing the sources of stress recommending that parents communicate with your child's treatment providers about what would make a difference in your family's stress level right now. So for example, if your child has difficulties with toileting skills, they can help you work on that.
1: Dr. Buter also noted that it's important to share the burden. Keeping a busy schedule is exhausting. If you have another person at home to share the burden, schedule time when each of you is off and really off stage. But remember, just because you need a break, doesn't mean your child or children do. They will benefit from continued structure even when you need to exit.
0: Which brings us to how to manage marital and couple interactions and some issues with co-parenting. Dr. Segan Hartley at the University of Wisconsin-Madison says that in the era of COVID-19, finding ways to connect with one's partner may be difficult, but this could be an important way to manage feelings of anxiety and stress. During times of stress and when parents are busy juggling multiple demands, what appears to go by the wayside is an effort to emotionally connect with one's partner and interact in fun and casual ways. Your partner, however, does not have to take up big chunks of time. This could be 10 minutes before bed when the children are asleep or 10 minutes in the morning when the children are engaged in a TV show or texting your partner a joke, even if you're in the same house. She says that it may be important for partners to help remind each other that this is an unprecedented time and it's very stressful. It's okay to feel overwhelmed, isolated, anxious, and stressed. Process these emotions together. Also, communicate about what you need to feel supported by your partner, given your new reality. Be clear. What is supportive and what is not supportive from your partner? What does your partner find to be supportive and not supportive from you? Is a new division of labor needed? Remember, this is all new, and it takes time to readjust the roles and expectations. Anticipate road bumps, miscommunication, and frustrations. She closes by saying, while it can be helpful to talk um, and process news about COVID-19 together, many couples may also benefit from not talking about COVID-19. Instead, talk about other things, funny stories from the day, recent movies, plans for the backyard. Consider engaging in relaxing and enjoyable activities like going for a walk or playing a game together. Many parents are needing to manage distance learning and or homeschooling with their children. While parents of typically developing children may be able to have their children engage in this with relatively little assistance, parents of children with IDD or ASD may need to be much more involved.
1: Dr. Giovanna Rodriguez at the University of Oregon notes that the biggest issue and challenge facing our families during this time is likely to be the issue of equity and accessibility. She expands on this by stating that parents are having to deal not only with the loss of educational supports afforded by children's IEPs, but also with the loss of an entire team of professionals that provide behavioral, medical, and mental health support. In some cases, parents may not have the knowledge, technical or financial resources to access telehealth services or to navigate online learning resources and telepractice in their homes. Dr. Rodriguez notes that there are many stressors that families are facing and that parents have to take care of themselves at this moment so that they can be present for their children. She further states that on a federal level, schools may not be required to provide IEP services or distance learning while schools are closed. She suggests that during this time, parents do what they can to create schedules in their homes. Many children crave routines and structure, and this disruption to school routine may create additional anxiety and behavioral challenges. Dr. Rodriguez presents and suggests several ways that parents can help children to adjust during this time, including by creating a schedule and designated workspace for parents and for children. Setting specific times to start and end the academic portion of the day, much like school, as well as a place to go that's associated with learning time may be helpful. She also adds that keeping sessions short, between 30 and 45 minutes, and building in breaks throughout the day may be helpful. She notes that while we have expectations for children, it's important not to push children beyond their edge of comfort and to mix up activities so that they have a variety. Using time at home to focus on daily life skills and non-academic activities may be valuable as well. Creating goals like dressing independently, using utensils when eating, engaging in cooking activities, helping out with chores around the house, engaging in play, exercise, and just hanging out may all be worthwhile. Dr. Rodriguez adds that schools often don't focus as much on interpersonal or life skills, so now may be a really good opportunity to provide the child or adolescent additional attention on the skills that they need for their life and relationships beyond school. She further adds that while screen time is okay, trying to limit screen time is beneficial as well. If parents are very concerned about skills that children may be losing, she suggests contacting the local education agency or service district for additional supports and resources, or investigating to see what options current providers may have available for remote service or instruction. Even though some schools remain closed, certain providers may still allow paraprofessionals to provide in-home services and supports.
0: Dr. Jan Blatcher at the University of California, Riverside, echoes many of these sentiments. She says, to all those parents with no teacher credential who find themselves at the head of the classroom, she says, lower the bar. She says, I'm speaking primarily to parents of elementary and middle school children enrolled in regular education and those in special education. If only half of the academic goals for 2020 or even six months into 2021 are met, it won't be the end of the world. Your children will finish high school where they should be, and even colleges will be making exceptions for this period. Dr. Blatcher says, that said, designate short periods of focused schoolwork followed by a snack and if possible, some time outside or with a game. And then she says, repeat. While lowering the academic bar, how about raising the joy of life bar? Dr. Blatcher gives links to some ideas um, of places to give yourself a break and we will include them in the show notes. Things like online museum tours, symphonies and other cultural events. She adds, uh, finally, i'm a big fan of yoga trust me we all need to take a deep breath during this period of sheltering at home there are dozens of sites so find one that works for you and your kids
1: for children who have been receiving intensive behavioral interventions we reached out to several experts and service providers to ask what they are doing and any advice they may have regarding early intensive behavioral interventions dr diane hayward from the uk young autism project indicated that they have some children who are in total isolation but working remotely, some children who are working directly with staff 100% of the time, and some children who are working with an adult in home that are pairing with the agency. Thus, each child has a different bespoke arrangement but all are engaged. Some children still have direct contact with agency staff as agency staff are considered key workers And so the agency sends in reduced staff with rigorous infection control measures and the senior staff oversee all programming remotely. Dr. Hayward notes that this is not ideal, but overall the agency is very pleased with how well the children are learning given the circumstances. Dr. Hayward noted that they are also finding that many parents are reporting a very positive experience, even despite the differences and the lack of ideal circumstances.
0: Dr. Tracy Gayu, again of Cadient, says we consider ourselves to be essential workers and similar to Diane's approach, we've instituted reduced contact. Um, She encourages those families receiving IEP services to contact your local school district about the possibilities. If your child's receiving ABA services through health insurance, make sure to use your authorized hours as best you can, as we know that increased intensity and intervention enhances progress for these kids. Most health insurance companies have approved the use of telehealth services. So she says to ask your behavior analyst, ABA program supervisor, speech and language pathologist, occupational therapist, to try to maintain services as much as possible using video conferencing and phone calls.
1: Of course, older individuals with IDD and ASD are being affected by this crisis as well. So we've reached out to an expert on adolescents and young adults. Dr. Julie Lowndes-Taylor at Vanderbilt University notes, that even in these trying times, it's important to keep some sort of routine. It's especially important if parents notice that their son or daughter with ASD has extra free time. This could be a good time to work on independence and skills of daily living, for instance, doing household chores, self-care, etc. More daily living skills are related to a greater likelihood of employment, so working on greater day-to-day independence may have long-term benefits. Dr. Lowndes indicates that it's particularly important at this time of great change to pay attention to the mental health of the son or daughter with ASD and to parents' own mental health as a parent. Many people's schedules have changed on a dime. A loss of routine and familiar activities is hard for many people, but can be especially challenging for a person on the autism spectrum.
0: Finally, it's very important that everyone stays socially connected during this time of social distancing. Dr. Elizabeth Loggison at UCLA says that social distancing doesn't have to mean social disengagement. She says humans are innately social creatures. Many of us crave social contact and thrive through social connectedness. Research suggests that having just one or two close friends leads to better adjustment in life, decreases the likelihood of mental health issues like anxiety or depression, and can even buffer the impact of stressful life events, like the ones we're facing now with the growing concerns over COVID-19. Dr. Loggison says that although individuals with developmental disabilities like IDD or ASD often struggle with making and keeping friends and fostering social connections, their desire to be socially engaged is often no different than everyone else. That's the good news. So how do individuals with IDD or ASD form social connections at a time of imposed social distancing? She says it's not so different than the rest of us. Here are some things she recommends. Consider joining Online meetup groups around shared interests. So some meetup groups are even designed specifically for those with IDD or ASD. Go for a walk or a bike ride in the neighborhood with your family, smile and say hello to your neighbors as you walk the dog. Remember those neighbors are craving social contact too. host a virtual get together with friends, coworkers, or classmates over Google Hangouts or the like play online video games. Many include video chat options for the players. Download a movie and watch with friends using web-based video conferencing platforms like Zoom or something like that. Dust off those tabletop board games, she says. They're making a comeback with young people. Instead of making a call or sending a text, considering doing a video chat, she says seeing someone's face increases the feeling of social connectedness. Dr. Lagasin closes by saying, those are just a few of the ways that millions of people across the globe are maintaining social connections during this unprecedented time. Yet, even with these suggestions in mind, those with IDD or ASD may still find social interactions inherently more challenging. In that case, now might be the right time to consider getting some help in developing those skills. Um, so she says, you know, if anyone would like more information about this, you can contact um, her at the Pierce Clinic, at the UCLA Pierce Clinic, and we'll have the link in the show notes. Okay, so what themes have we found across these experts? Well, including what we've read and those parts that we haven't read, what we can say is that it's very clear that establishing routines will be important for the children. Also, balancing doing the best for your children with self-compassion and acceptance for yourself as a parent and as a human being. Practice stress reduction, such as meditation and yoga, if that's for you. We seem to have some big fans of meditation and yoga in our experts. Uh, It suggested to stay connected through online methods. And then finally, many people mentioned, stay home for now and wash your hands.
1: Thanks so much for listening. Stay well and hang in there,
0: everyone.